According to one Michigan insider guy, Alabama's just been really, really lucky all these years. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. This episode is brought to you by, I'm going to let you know here in a second, FanDuel. Of course, it's brought to you by FanDuel. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. You guys are the absolute best. Jimmy, um, we're going to talk about some Michigan prep here in just a second. But I got to bring this up because it sort of came up on uh, Twitter. It's kind of hilarious. There is a, uh, it says, a founder of at Chat Sports, uh, James T. Yoder. Not to be confused with James W. Yoder. Um, he is a Michigan personality, host of the Michigan Football Report on YouTube. He has made a post on Twitter, and um, it was just very sad. I don't know another way to say it. Um, he basically says that uh, Nick Saban is just the, the luckiest person that has uh, ever lived. And... Um, um, uh, he, he went on to say this all stems from something that Josh Pate posted saying, like, give me your, uh, you know, crazy hot college football takes that are unpopular. And this is what he says. James Yoder. Nick Saban has lucked into a lot of titles, lucked into a lot of titles. That lucked. sentence alone discredits the whole thing. In 2003, didn't play number one team USC. In 2009, Colt McCoy gets hurt. In 2011, got lucky and got a rematch with LSU, didn't win the SEC. In 2012, Ohio State on probation, shouldn't have been in the title game. In 2017, got lucky, snuck into playoff, didn't win SEC. 2020, COVID season. Oh, my head hurts. Um, First of all, injuries are part of the game. Alabama has dealt with injuries. Secondly, I would say, if he's so lucky, why didn't they call the pick play against Clemson in 2016? Uh, which actually won them the, the national championship. Um, in 2012, this is the funny one to me, Ohio State's on probation, so they sh- so Alabama shouldn't have been in the title game. If they're on probation, they can't go to the title game. I mean, so their season effectively was not an issue, not not a factor, not a nothing. So why even bring that up? You remind me, did they finish 12-0 and or 13-0? and I think they finished 12-0, and yeah. May, may, I mean, I don't think it was 13, you know, because they wouldn't have right, played right. the they, championship. They couldn't play for um, the uh, Big Ten championship either. So it's crazy that I don't remember that. I mean, claiming Ohio State should have won the national championship in 2012 is effectively claiming Auburn should have won it in 1993. But see, what people forget is, you know, that Auburn team, which did beat Florida, by the way, the first time around, I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks that uh, that Auburn team would have beaten Florida again the second time around and then gone on to win – whatever bowl game they would have needed to be in to, to win a national championship. Um, Alabama won the national COVID title game. Alabama won the national title game by like three or four touchdowns. It's quite a, quite an assumption to assume that Alabama team would have lost anyone, but okay. Uh, 2020 COVID season. This one's always so hilarious to me. First of all, Alabama is the only SEC team ever to have played 13 SEC teams in one year. Ever. I mean, you, People can say, well, well, it's COVID. And it they played 11. 
They played 11. Oh, right? I, I said 13. I said 13. Yeah. They won 13 games. They, they won 13 11. games. Yeah. Right. 11 plus 11 plus Notre Dame and Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> 11 SEC games plus Notre Dame and Ohio State. We backed into that one. And they didn't play the two worst SEC teams that year, which I think were Vandy and South Carolina, if I remember right. Hmm. I think, and right. I know Ohio State only had to play like six games, and they were in the national championship game, fresh as a daisy. Correct, Amundo. So, um, and again, you know, Alabama dealt with an injury to Jalen Waddle that year. They just dealt with it, and I hate it when people try and put a caveat on it because everybody had. COVID everybody was, was dealing everybody. with COVID. It wasn't like everyone else dealt with COVID but Alabama. And let me tell you this: I just got over COVID. It can be it can be a mofo sometimes. So, um, got lucky, snuck into the playoff. Look, I don't know about the got lucky thing. Yes, and they didn't win the SEC. That is absolutely correct. They which which one SEC. did we when we got lucky and got in the playoff? Which year is he talking about? Twenty eleven or eleven and seventeen is what he's saying. Huh. I mean, <laughs> would you? Wow. <laughs> and and also, it should be noted that 2011 game against LSU, LSU crossed the 50 once, and then we sacked them, and they went back behind the 50. So technically, I don't think they ever crossed the 50, I guess if you want to put it that way. Um, and in 2017, uh, if you want to, we can talk about injury, or, or, or how about 2013? How about 2013 when, uh, you know, Alabama, You how lucky Nick Saban is. <laughs> he was only a part of the one of the wildest finishes in college football history. I mean, you, can he get any luckier? You could make a similar post to, to what that guy did, a very similar post saying that Nick Saban is the unluckiest guy that's ever lived. Because <laughs> it, with a little bit of luck, Alabama would have like four or five more times in the Saban era, four or five more like in 2021 when Alabama loses both of its star wide receivers, Jamison Williams and, and John Mechie, or last year when Bryce Young, the best quarterback in the country, hurt his shoulder and couldn't practice during the week, helping lead to a loss in Baton Rouge and a loss in Knoxville. The kick six in 2013 probably stopped an Alabama three-peat. Three-peat. I mean – yeah, the, the 2016 Alabama didn't win the national championship because Clemson ran an uncalled pick play at the end of the game. Uh, it, it's literally, you, you could say Nick Saban is the unluckiest guy, but what's crazy to me is it sort of, sort of gets back to like, you know, Jack Nicholas won 18 grand slam events. No, no one's ever won, not grand slam. He's not a tennis player. John, Jack Nicholas won 18 majors as they call it in golf, 18. And, and no one's done that, so he's the best of all time, right? He also finished in second like 30 times or something. There's an insane number of second-place finishes, which just further – so what I'm saying is this guy's post is dumb, but we could also make an, an – he's the unluckiest guy ever, which shows that, frankly, Alabama's been one play away from winning the title like eight or nine times in the Saban era, which makes him coach of all time in any sport. And so I think that that, that post is just silly. And, and, and if all it takes is luck, then there'd be a lot more coaches that would be coaching right now that have won national titles if all it takes is some luck.
because if we named right now all the active coaches that have won national championships, that list is really, really, really short. So I guess Saban and two other guys or so are lucky, and then there's 129 just unlucky coaches. Uh, I guess that that's that's how you explain all that away. Well, the other side of this is, um, you know, going to your unlucky thing. I mean, think about a game that wasn't even, you know, probably could have hurt Alabama in terms of getting the national championship. They ended up winning anyway. Think about the Ole Miss game in 2015. Alabama has five turnovers. Ole Miss has none. Uh, a pass bounces off an Ole Miss player's helmet and uh, lands in the arms of an Ole Miss receiver. In 2013, uh, Auburn, the, if the Auburn-Georgia game, if that miracle in Jordan Hare didn't happen, then Alabama goes on to the SEC championship and they go on, they probably defeat Missouri and go on to play for a national championship, even though they had the one, even if you have the kick six. So, I mean, there's all these things where you say, um, my God, how much in 2010, Alabama would have upset number one Auburn, kept them from playing for a national championship if Mark Ingram's fumble doesn't roll along the sideline or if Trent Richardson catches an easy pass. The, all these things we can talk about, all this luck. But yeah, the in-game injury to Mark Barron probably cost that game, too. The in-game injury to Mark Barron. I, I think Barron hadn't gotten hurt. Alabama wins that 2010 game, even regardless of the, those other bad luck things. If Vinny Sinceri's not hurt in 2013, maybe he's the still the holder and he's able to tackle uh, Chris Davis. Who knows? Again, you go – this is all part of the game. Yes, Colton McCoy got hurt. That sucks. But so did John Mechie. So did Jameson Williams. These things happen. And you got to – you persevere and you win or you lose. And that's, that's the way it is. So I just found it uh, quite interesting. What a moronic take. But, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. He wants to go that route. He can go that route. I'm going to tell everybody. Thing. It's, it's not like Texas was up 21 nothing and Colt got hurt, so Alabama came back and won. I mean, yeah. uh, it, that, that, that still boggles my mind that, that there's this – Grand assumption. Well, if Colt McCoy was healthy, Texas would have won the game. Uh, I don't even remember. Was Texas favored to win the game? Were they? They might have been because it was 09 Alabama. I don't remember either. If they were favored to win, they were favored to win by like two or three points. It wasn't like even with a healthy Colt McCoy, everyone just automatically assumed Texas would win the game. Then Texas would have been favored by what, 10, 14, 15? You know – Boy, I there's there's one bad memory I have about that game. I'm going to tell you really quickly that um, I was at the game and there were some USC fans in front of me, and I may or may not have had a snifter of port, and um, I may have been talking more trash. I was a little younger and dumber, and uh, so I may have been talking a little trash. I wasn't crazy trash talking, but I remember one of the USC fans was like, "Man, you're really making me hate <laughs> Alabama." And I was like, well, I mean, I don't care if you hate us or not. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. And then I looked to my right and like Warren St. John, the author of Rammer Jammer is like two people by, beside me. And I'm like, I just made a complete ass out of myself in front of an, you know, probably the most famous author in the moment or something. You know, uh, anyway, I, so every time I think about that game, I have great memories. And then I have that horrible memory where I was a jerk and I apologize those USC fans. I'm a better person now. I've grown up. I sat next um, to people in that game. I sat next to people who'd won a contest to win the tickets, and they were Virginia Tech fans. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they won a, like a contest, and Dr. Pepper or somebody flew them out to put them up in a hotel and gave them tickets because they won some contest. They rooted oh. for Alabama, though. Good for them. 
So now I'm going to tell everybody about game time. Game time. Look, if you need tickets at the last minute, or if you want to get tickets even earlier than the last minute, whatever, buying tickets should not be a hassle. It should be fun. You should want to go to these things. And not everybody wins tickets to go to the 2009 National Championship game. So you want to be able to get tickets and go and, and enjoy it. And look, Alabama's going to in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. You might be going to Houston. I think we will be going to Houston predictions later. Uh, but you want to make it so it's so easy. And I've used Game Time personally several times. Ever since they were a sponsor, I said, I won't give them a try because I like to use our sponsors. I downloaded the app. Super, super simple. Couldn't be any easier. You get to see uh, where your view will be from your seat. Lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all this stuff. Um, seeing your seat view is is crucial to me. I did it for the Miami Dolphins game, and I had a blast. I did it for my son's uh, World Series game. He had a blast. Um, did it for some Phoenix Suns game. Did it for the Bama-Tennessee game. All these things, just a lot of fun. And the, the price is just unbeatable. You can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. All you got to do is use that code Locked on college. That's one word. Locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. <clears throat> okay. So, Jimmy, uh, Michigan prep continues. Um, I saw where LT Overton is uh, made the trip and he posted on his Instagram. He's landed. I mean, hey, th what, what a time to be alive for a college football player right now or college basketball player like you're playing for texas a&m you're wallowing in the muck you're playing oklahoma state tonight which we may talk about a little bit later in some bowl that nobody's ever heard of and all of a sudden you're like you know what i'm gonna get in the transfer portal and just go to pasadena i can't play but uh, i get to be on the sideline i get to hang out with all of my new teammates and i get to practice and i get to be in sunny california a, a part of uh, what was going to be one of the more majestic scenes in all of college football. I mean, what a time to be alive if you're a college football player. It's fantastic. But anyway, Michigan prep continues. So what do you think about all that? Well, what you're saying is really crazy. Think about like even, even LT Overton is a great, a great example, but even like Julian saying, I mean, you're at home in California and you're in high school and you play for your high school team and you watch Alabama on TV and you visited with the team a couple of times on some recruiting visits and you're watching on TV and you're pulling for them, just like all of us watch on our TV. And then at the end of the season, when they get to play for the championship, you get the best seat in the house. You not only get to be on the sideline, you are, are you dressed out? You get to dress with them and participate in warmups <laughs> or whatever. Do they get to do all that? And they get you get to litter. Uh, that's a good question. I would, think maybe so because if they participated i would argue they would deserve it if they especially if they participated in scout team in the lead up to the the playoff games because you're helping the team prepare for for the game so i, I don't know I, i'm just saying that it's just surreal to join the team literally for the playoffs when you've been watching on tv all season long. I mean, can you imagine you're a Braves fan and you watch 162 Braves games on TV and then they send you a letter and they say, hey, I appreciate you watching the 162 games on TV. We're going to send you a uniform. You want to come and sit in, and wear a Braves uniform and watch the playoff games in the dugout? I mean, that's uh, sort of. 
I mean, it probably wouldn't mean as much to Luke. Well, it's like uh, that's like winning uh, tickets to the 2009 national championship game. <laughs> They're like, hey, I was just sitting. I'm a Virginia Tech fan. I'm going to Music City Bowl. Virginia oh, Tech. I'm going to. Yeah. Pretty good gig. Um, yeah, they're like roll. They t- man, no wonder they were like, "Hey, roll, roll, Todd." Where's the big one? What would be stopping them from getting a ring? I mean, if Alabama wanted to give them a ring, to be honest, uh, nothing would stop them. Uh, believe it or not, uh, I- I'm pretty sure those rings are purchased by the university. They're not mm-hmm. like a gift from the NCAA or anybody else. Right. They can give a ring to whoever the heck they want to. I think. So, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm. I think that's cool. I think they should get a ring. So. Otherwise, though, prep, uh, speaking of Julian saying, he apparently is getting some nice reviews in all this prep. Now, he hadn't practiced a couple of times, but and the term is he can really spin it. And look, you don't have to tell me that. I've seen the kid, uh, a lot of his highlights. He's, he's a star. And it's going to be really fun next year. Um, next year when, when Jalen Milrow comes back. And then mm-hmm. – when we play some of these games where we, we get some blowouts, it's going to be very reminiscent to me of Jalen Hurts and Tua. I mean, do you remember when Tua came in against Vandy in 2017? I was at that game. It's the hottest that I've ever been in my life. And um, Tua comes in, and he throws some passes. You're like, all right, Jalen Hurts can't do that. I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers can do that. And uh, you're like, you can't sit him. And I mean, I think it's going to be sort of the same thing. I, I'm not trying to discount Jalen Hurts. I mean, uh, excuse me, Jalen Milrow at all, because I'm hoping he wins a Heisman next year. I'm so, just saying it's going to be. So you're going ahead and assuming that Julian Sands going to be number two next fall? Uh, I do. But I'm the same moron that said Ty Simpson will win the starting job. So I understand. There are going to be some people in the comments go, you just hate Jalen Milrow. No, no, no. I, I love Jalen Milrow now more than ever. By the way, if you didn't know this and you didn't see the podcast before, I got Jalen Milrow to wish my daughter a Merry Christmas. I got to meet him. I was starstruck. I mean, I was like a little girl meeting the Beatles the, back then, not now. There's only like one left. But um, oh. <laughs> I think there's two. I think there's two left, but I haven't read the paper this morning. Didn't George Harrison die? Yeah, but Ringo and Paul are both left. Ringo's still with us. Yeah, Ringo's still with you. Yeah, we're two for four. Okay. We're two Anywho. for four. You, you can still be like a little girl meeting the Beatles. That's okay. Like, there's enough of them. There's enough of them to do that. I, I think we're both Jaylen. on board with Jalen winning the Heisman, right? I mean, don't we think that – I think we both predict that Milrow will win the Heisman in 2024? I'm not predicting it yet, but he's definitely going to be in the run. He's going to be the guy that's on the cover of the magazines. Now, what I'm saying about Julian saying, though, is – Julian saying, this is how far I've come from this summer. Julian saying has passed up the guy I thought was going to win the job this year. <laughs> number two. That's how turned around I am right now. But I think a lot yeah, of people. I'll go with uh, I'll go with saying being fourth. I think it'll four? be Milro one, Milro one, Simpson two, Lonergan three, saying four. Mm. Okay. Or five, if Holstein sticks around. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, what, what, what's fun to me is whenever you have a QB room where Simpson, Lonergan, Holstein, uh, you know, and Sand are all legit number twos. They're all legit number twos. So it's like, who's going to win that number two job? Because I can see any of them winning it, any of them. But 
hey, you know, how much focus is there going to be on that? Because the number one quarterback is is Milrow. And again, he's 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 in, uh, you know, potential Heisman winner. So, you know, most of the focus is going to be on QB one, of course. So you think you didn't say it'll be number four next year? Uh, I don't think I, I'll, I'll be surprised if he moves ahead of Ty Simpson and or Dylan Lonergan. I'll, I'll be surprised. Now, he might. Uh, it depends on, you know, how quickly he picks up things. He's he's a super talented kid. But, you know, Simpson was a five star. Lonergan was very impressive in his first year on campus. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I'll put it this way. I think the competition is going to be really tough. It's your funeral. Um, so I'm going to need to tell everybody about FanDuel when we come back. We're going to talk about some guys that may be unsung heroes for this game. FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go check them out. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay in. You know they stay out. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Money line bet. Money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Unbelievable. That's FanDuel being nice here in the spirit of Christmas. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right this very minute, y'all. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads and player props and over-unders and much, much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in this NFL season. We only got two weeks of the regular season left. Now they'll keep doing it in the playoffs, but I'm saying got to do it now. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, Jimmy, so game's creeping up on us. Look, it's, it's already Wednesday. That's what I, I kind of did Christmas being on a Monday because you have Monday off. Tuesday, everybody's recovering. Wednesday, I'm back at work, but barely. And uh, before you know it, it's the weekend and uh, the game's here. So, yeah, I'm pretty fired up. But let's talk about some guys that may stand out, an unsung hero. Is it crazy for me to think that Jace McClellan may be an unsung hero? Because if he's if he's back, even though he's the leading rusher, it's like people have kind of forgotten about him a little bit. Agreed. You know, a lot's happened since he got banged up. So I wonder if he could be an unsung hero. Or let me throw another one your way, and this one's going to be not controversial, but people are going to be like, how about James Burnham? Well, you surprised me. I mean, I mean, you surprised me. <laughs> He's been a heck of a player. And, uh, hey, in a low-scoring game where both teams are trying to run the ball, uh, the punter is an extremely important uh, player. So I like it. I really like the Jace call. That's good. You know, I'll go with this. Uh, here's a wide receiver that has made a ton of seemingly big plays and big catches that we never talk about because he's not one of the first guys. But, man, if somebody like that you're not expecting makes a big 60-yard play to score a touchdown and, like, give Alabama the lead, I'll go Kobe Prentice, you know. And doesn't it make perfect sense that a guy named Kobe would have a huge game in L.A.? So, so let's go, uh, wow. Kobe, Kobe Prentice. Uh, I see what you did as, there. Yeah. Uh, I, and frankly, I did that on the fly. Didn't, uh, I, I planned on, <laughs> on using Kobe as my player here for surprise hero, but, uh, the Kobe LA thing sort of struck me in the moment, but, uh, you know, Kobe's made in two years, a lot of big catches. He makes a lot, a lot of big plays. And, uh, obviously a lot of that Michigan attention is going to be on, 
uh, Burton and Bond, Alabama's uh, best two receivers. Uh, and they get they're they got some pretty good DBs. I noticed in my uh, review of Michigan yesterday, uh, zero ought uh, their DB zero, and and I'm like, man, this guy is good. I don't think I'm really familiar with him, but he's good. And then just this morning on Good Morning Football on NFL Network, they had Jim Nagy on from the Senior Bowl, and they're like, hey, what DBs do you like during the bowl season? <laughs> like the second guy he bought up is uh, yeah number zero at Michigan, and I'm like. Phew. Yeah, I saw him too, Jim. He's he's good. So uh, stay away from him. I think he primarily plays nickelback. So he'll be on the Todd slot. And guess who lines up in the slot? Kobe Prentice. Uh, so uh, let's let's see Kobe make a play or two, uh, and and maybe make a uh, uh, how about how about a touchdown that maybe even decides the game. I'm going to say this. I think we need to have a podcast before the game, like maybe Saturday. We do a podcast where. We talk about predictions. I mean, for the game, the score, and also like some other interesting tidbit stuff. But one just popped in my head, and I don't want to forget it. So remind me when we do this. I'm going to predict Kendrick Law scores a touchdown. It's about time. It feels like Kendrick Law is like on the precipice of a breakout every game to me. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look up some stats here really quickly on him. Um, you know, best, you think, yeah. like best you, player on the team that's yet to decide a game. <laughs> that's so true. Um, he has no touchdowns this year. Yep. And everybody compares. That's that's nuts. Everybody compares him, and and I get it, and I do too, to Debo Samuel, because I think they're they do have a similar skill set. You know, another player that he's like, and I guess it's because Debo Samuel's like him, is a Cordero Patterson of the Falcons. You know, that that's who and and, and by that I mean Kendrick Law is a wide receiver and he's a return guy. But he looks like a running back. He looks like a running back. And you're always tempted to, hey, let's put Kendrick at running back, just hand the ball three or four times, which is exactly what the 49ers do with Debo Samuel and what the Falcons do with Cordero Patterson. But I, I see I see Kendrick Law in the same way. And uh, just this week, Terry on Arnold was asked in an interview, who's the fastest player on the team? I would guess Bond. I'm still thinking that it's Isaiah Bond personally, <laughs> but Terion, whose opinion really matters because you know he's kind of out there and racing these guys. Uh, Terion says Kendrick Law is the fastest player on the team. He's only got 14 catches, and and you know that's the other the other funny thing about Kendrick Law that I think if you ask, okay, what's his most memorable play of the year? It's the play that got called back for a sort of a ticky tack holding call against Auburn. And, it, yep. and I think that was even a handoff. I mean, I guess technically that may have been a handoff. Uh, it's either a handoff or one of those little end-around pop, pop passes, pop yeah. pass may, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, that that shows what, what kind of confidence the staff has in him. They, they run that end-around now pretty consistently once or twice a game and fake it a couple other times. But Kendrick Law, very capable of running a pass route downfield. I'll tell you where he'd be a killer. Been great so far on those short slants. That hasn't mm -hmm. kind of been Milrow's thing. But once Milrow improves in that area, man, Kendrick Law could be a killer on those slants because he's going to run through tackles. Yep. There's no doubt. All right, buddy. That'll do it for today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Until then, roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.